Hi everyone, you're here with the second season of Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd, here with my co-host, Liza and Casey. Hello everyone. And today we are speaking virtually with Sarah Stockdale. She is the founder of Grow Class and she also has a newsletter called We Need to Talk About This. So thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, Samantha. So tell us a bit about Grow Class. What is it? So Grow Class is an eight-week online training program uh, that basically helps marketers and entrepreneurs and founders level up their skill sets when it comes to growth marketing. Um, So we take them through kind of from the basics, some foundational analytics, some uh, experimentation, some goal setting and tracking, and we move through, you know, copywriting, Facebook ads, Google ads, SEO, email marketing, kind of all the things that you need to learn to build a successful business. That's awesome. And why did you start this class? Are you a marketer as well? So, so absolutely. Yeah. I've been, um, I've been working in growth marketing for the past 11, 12 years now. So I've spent my entire career growing early stage startups from the ground up. Um, and after kind of, you know, growing two of them, having both of them acquired, um, I started consulting. And so I was consulting for um, companies in, you know, Toronto, New York, San Francisco, Austin, Texas, and all of them struggled with growth. Uh, all of them struggled with customer acquisition. Um, and they also struggled to hire talent. And so, you know, part of me, I wanted to take this skill set that I've spent the past decade of my career learning and help build kind of the next diverse talent pool for these incredible companies. And then also along the way, you know, help entrepreneurs and founders with with the same problems. That's great. Yeah, that's really amazing. You've uh, obviously seen uh, a lot of people's journey through like their marketing careers. Uh, what would you say are kind of some misconceptions that people have about that? And what what kind of like skills do people leave with after completing the program? The One of the misconceptions that I found a lot is that marketing is fluffy, <laughs> um, which in tech companies and in every company, it, it just isn't true. You need to be data savvy. You need to have an analytical mindset. You need to run experiments. You need to measure your work. You need to be constantly testing and optimizing. Um, So, you know, marketing is anything but fluffy. That's one of the things that I'm always trying to dispel because I think it's kind of a toxic rumor that somebody started about us. And when it when it comes to kind of the skills that you leave um, grow class with, definitely that kind of experimental mindset when it comes to marketing, kind of running hypothesis-driven experiments, um, aggressively measuring your results, um, but but then also kind of the more creative, empathetic, customer-driven parts of building a business. So how do you conduct really great customer interviews? How do you integrate your customers into your planning? Um, how do you write copy that really connects with folks and write... Um, ad creative that's going to actually get people to to click and convert. So um, we're kind of marrying that left brain, right brain of marketing. And that's what I find kind of so, so fun watching our students kind of go, grow, go through grow class because they're, they're being stretched in a whole bunch of different. Yeah, ways. that's really great. And the two companies um, that you had that went through the acquisition, what were kind of like your go-to marketing tips that you applied to both those companies to achieve proper growth marketing? So I think um, it's it's hard to give like it's when it, when it comes to marketing it's so specific to your product and to your customer base. So with Wave we were selling 
accounting software, which is relatively uh, dull. So when we when we did that, we had to find, okay, what are the specific pain points that business owners are experiencing and how do we communicate that in a way that's going to connect with them emotionally and, and less rationally? Um, so we dug through the data and we found who kind of our main customer segments are. And then we built really specific content for them, um, ad campaigns, integrations. I think with Wave, we found like there's a whole bunch of different ways to grow. Like we grew a lot through integration partnerships, through affiliate programs, um, not just kind of through your traditional channels. Um, and then when it came to building Tilt, it was totally different because it was a, a way more fun product that was targeted at college students. So we did things completely differently. Uh, we built a 6,000 person student ambassador program that spanned five countries. So um, the tactics that we used to grow that product were very different, but were still very rooted in like, you got to know who you're selling to. You got to hang out where they hang out, party where they party, and then figure out the lowest cost ways to, to get in touch with them. That's really cool. Those are some really great case studies. Yeah, really interesting. And uh, in terms of writing good content, how, how do you come up with good topics and, and write good content that both appeals to the people reading it, but that's also uh, great for the search engine crawling it? Yeah, for sure. So when, when we kind of talk about SEO optimizing content, I always want to remind folks that you need to match your goals to Google's. And Google has kind of two main goals, one of which is uh, selling ads, which you can't really help them with. And then the other one is helping people find relevant answers to their questions. Um, and, and folks think, you know, they have to stuff their, their blog posts with keywords or they have to, you know, stuff all their headlines with keywords. And like, yes, you should understand the keywords that people are searching for to find your product but you also have to create contextual experiences for those folks so that if they, you know, if they're searching for, you know, what is the, what are the best, I don't know, stick on nails on the internet. Um, that question means they're trying to buy something. So if you, you know, if you answer that question with a blog post, like that's, that's great. But if someone has an intent to purchase something like you need to land them on a purchasing page. So um, I think when it comes to Google, just be incredibly human about figuring out what are the ways that people search for my product, what are the key keywords that they use, what are the phrases and questions that they ask, and then if they were to discover your product and click on it, where should they go next? What is the best experience that you can offer them? Um, so, so doing kind of that customer research and using some of the some of the tools, you know, the Google Keyword Planner tool to figure out what those keywords and phrases are, and then building content that makes sense for that person when they when they click, so they go to the right spot, not just like stuffing your about page with keywords because that's not going to be a helpful experience. Yeah, for sure. No, that's really great advice, especially um, for anyone trying to sell a product. And so can we talk a bit about your newsletter? Uh, how did you go about starting a newsletter and why? So that's a, a great question and, and kind of like a hard left turn from, from Grow Class, which I love. Um, because I started, uh, we need to talk about this. I actually started writing it just for myself as almost a journal 
um, after Trump got elected. Um, I'm someone who kind of cares a lot about progressive politics. Um, I'm an open intersectional feminist. And, you know, it was that that kind of event for those of us that care about, you know, humans and care about politics. Uh, that was a really hard time for a lot of us. So I kind of just started writing um, just for myself. And then I was actually at uh, Creative Mornings with some of my friends who kind of knew that I was thinking about it's it's pretty vulnerable to start kind of talking about uh, what you think and what you believe about what's going on in the world um, and, and kind of how to build uh, a more human life. Um, so they kind of pushed me up on stage at the at the end where you pitch your projects and they made me pitch uh, the newsletter, which meant that I had to like run home and build it. Uh, if you know anything about like my work, it like makes a lot of sense that that's how it got started, but it sounds a little bit crazy. Um, yeah. So, so the next week I started, I started publishing. How, how can companies out there align themselves with the important social messages and social values of today? Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's the performative version of it that I'm not all for, like just putting, you know, Black Lives Matter on your Instagram and, and putting a black box on Instagram and wearing it on a t-shirt isn't helpful. It's it's performative. So I think what companies need to do, and, and again, I operate in a space of privilege. I am not the expert that they should talk to about this, but from, from my experience, you need to kind of build that into your company first. Like you don't get to kind of hop on this message if you're not doing the work in your own home. So hiring diverse teams, making sure that you have, you know, a, a board that's representative of the population and that you're treating your black and marginalized colleagues with respect and making sure to pay them equally um, and that you're hiring kind of women and LGBTQ and disabled folks and that your, your business kind of represents your values. So I think step one, um, before you kind of, and it's it's great to loudly and publicly pro proclaim your support. I think you should do that. But I think before you kind of get to do that, you have to make sure that you're representing those values um, internally. And that's a lot of work, but that's the work that that has to be done to make this movement real. Yeah, that's amazing. And actionable steps are, are definitely uh, more important. Mm-hmm. And I think that advice is pretty consistent with what most people are saying. It's great to be supportive, but you have to actually action that. Um, so for your newsletter, what was it like growing the audience of a newsletter versus growing the audience of your company of Grow Class? So it's it, what what uh, what I always tell folks in, in Grow Class and what's kind of true about growth marketing is what you focus on grows. And so for for my personal newsletter, it was just something that I was doing as an outlet. Uh, it wasn't something that I was kind of applying the mindset that I bring to businesses to, which I definitely can and still should. But uh, it just was it was just this kind of thing that I was doing as an outlet that I wasn't necessarily putting a ton of focus on growth for. And when I hired uh, my first employee, she has this incredibly design focused, creative. She's a photographer. She's like, she's an artist. Um, and she really kind of wanted to give, we need to talk about this more of a brand and more of a presence on social. Uh, so that's kind of when we started thinking, okay, like how, how can we kind of use 
um, this content that's been written to, to produce a blog and to produce some social channels. We still don't really think about it as a business. It's definitely more of a creative outlet. Um, but, but yeah, with, when it comes to newsletters, it's, it's a little bit different because you have to provide incredibly valuable content. And then the best way to grow a newsletter is through kind of word of mouth and referral, which is entirely how kind of we need to talk about this has grown. We've experimented with some ads just kind of for fun, but you know, 99% of the growth has come just from referrals. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, it's really amazing. Uh, and, and on that point, uh, can you talk a little bit about where it's beneficial to actually pay for ads and where organic marketing is way uh, is more important? Uh, when 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 does one shine over the other or is is organic marketing always better? Uh, things you don't pay for are always better than things you have to pay for. Uh, so when it comes to when it comes to paid marketing, like it is great to have as one of the many channels that you use to grow your business. But if you get a lot of companies get like addicted to like Facebook ads and and AdWords, um, and you know Facebook can change an algorithm, new competitors can can enter, and your costs can go up dramatically. Um, and you don't have control over that. So when it comes to things like building an email list, uh, your SEO strategy, building out a content strategy, building out referrals and affiliate programs, like those are things you have much more control over as growth channels when it comes to costs. So I always tell companies like paid should be just one part of your overall strategy. If you kind of put all your eggs in one basket, like now Facebook controls the basket. I'm, I'm not cool with that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned before we started recording that you went through a rebrand. Can you talk a bit about that process? Oh my gosh. Can I please tell you that if you want to build an entirely new product and rebrand at the same time, don't do it during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of crazy. Um, yeah, so we completely rebranded our company. Um, previously, I ran a consulting company called Valkyrie. We started building Grow Class under Valkyrie because just like everything else we do, Grow Class started as an experiment. Um, but <laughs> I would kind of, I would go and, and do kind of hits on TV and everyone would say Valkyrie. Uh, no one could remember the name of the company or the name of Grow Class. Uh, and so I was just kind of holding on to this thing that I was excited about that like really wasn't working um, for a while. And so at the, at the end of last year, we decided, you know, we were going to completely rebrand the website. Um, and then a couple of months before the rebrand, I decided to completely change the name of the company as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting. And do would you say that uh, because of the pandemic, kind of like marketing strategies have changed? And if so, how are they different now than they used to be? For sure. Um, so basically what the pandemic did was change customer behavior. So most of us are at home. We're not going out to big events. We are not driving into the office. Uh, we're not listening to the radio. Like there's a lot of things that have changed about just how consumers are living their lives. And so that means that everything about your marketing strategy that you had built, you know, before March is immediately garbage <laughs> because everything about your customers has changed and therefore the ways that you talk to them and the channels that you talk to them through also have to change. So there's no kind of one specific way you need to change your business right now. You have to be listening deeply to your customers. You have to figure out if your product is still offering value in the same way that it was before. Is there a chance that you need to pivot either your product 
or your messaging or your positioning? And then where are your customers hanging out now in this kind of new, more distant world? And what are the best ways for you to talk to them um, in, in kind of the, the space that they're in right now? We've all seen like those really bad tone deaf emails or uh, ads that are just not taking into account both COVID and the social unrest that's happening right now. So everyone just has to be really on top of their game when it comes to messaging and thinking about their marketing channels. Yeah, that's really great. And uh, kind of for my last question, can you tell me something about yourself that's not on your LinkedIn page? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, something about myself that's not in my, the case. So most things about me aren't on my LinkedIn page. My LinkedIn page is like a very, very one dimensional part of who I am. Um, so something that you won't see on my LinkedIn page, I'm, I'm an activist. I'm, you know, at protests, I'm, you know, talking about all sorts of stuff, writing about all sorts of stuff that normally doesn't end up on my LinkedIn page. Um, I am like a fierce dog mom, uh, to my dog, Mac. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, married to an amazing man, uh, named Scott. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I, I don't have like cool, interesting hobbies. I wish I did. I just don't. I really like reading in Netflix. Uh, I love the term fierce dog mom. I'm going to use that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much about your company and the rebrand you went through and also your newsletter and more interesting stuff about you. So that was really great. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Floater Founder every week. We look forward to bringing you more content from more amazing people in our city. Until next time.